Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? In this weekly podcast, we celebrate curiosity, critical thinking, and evidence-based skepticism. I'm your host, Marco, and this is show 56 for Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Yes, I am still here. If you followed the weather reports, you had to wonder this. Temperatures this week went down to minus 5 degrees Celsius, which is extraordinary here in Monterey. We never really get below zero. And of course, the houses are not prepared for this. Inside the houses, we went down to 7 degrees. I slept with three blankets, double socks, double pajamas, winter hat, and gloves. Well, at least it's a nice story to tell. In North America, it actually became as cold as summer on Mars. Oh, what a nice segue. This episode is going to be about Mars. As you might have heard, this week there's not one, not two. There are three different missions arriving at the Red Planet. So I wanted to take a brief look at these missions. Why are we suddenly so interested in our smaller red neighbor? After that, we're playing Find the Fake, and of course, it's going to be with a Mars theme. And if you're wondering, maybe the acoustics is a little different. I went to the hottest place, well, the least cold place that I had at my disposal, which is the inside of my car, which is parked in the sun. So I'm trying to defrost here a little. All right, rabbits, buckle up. We're ready for takeoff. During this week, there are three missions arriving to Mars. The first one to do so was the first ever Arab mission to Mars. It is called HOPE, and it was launched on July 20th, 2020, from Tangegashima Space Center in Japan. HOPE arrived on Mars on February 9th, and it will have two Earth years of mission, which is about one Martian year. Only three days after HOPE, Tianwen-1 was launched from the Chinese Wenchang Space Launch Center. Tianwen has arrived to Mars last week, just two days before the Chinese New Year. It will study the Martian atmosphere and also land a rover in the southern part of Mars Utopia Planitia. The third mission, and the one I want to focus on on this episode, is the NASA mission with Perseverance and Ingenuity. Its landing is scheduled for February 18th, which is, if you listen to the episode on its release day, today. Otherwise, it's already a thing of the past. The beauty of time traveling with podcasts. So is it a coincidence that suddenly there are three missions arriving to the Red Planet within basically one week? Not quite. There has been a lot of interest in Mars for a lot of time but there were not really any incentives to get there. So let's do a little flashback to the space race in the 1960s. Back then, actually in the late 50s, the United States was in shock because the Soviet Union had successfully launched its first object into space, the Sputnik probe. This event would trigger an exciting race between the two superpowers to be the first nation to put a man on the moon known as the Space Race. 
Both superpowers spent incredible amounts of money on achieving that goal, to beat their enemy of the Cold War to the moon. And it was very close. On July 4th, 1969, Apollo 11 landed on the moon, and reportedly the Soviets were just a few weeks away from achieving the same thing. As exciting as it was, we know that there were a few more Apollo missions, but then after being a total of 12 astronauts on the moon, the Apollo program ended, and no one has ever set foot on another object in the solar system again. Many exciting missions had been sent to places like Venus, Mars, and even the outer solar system. Currently, there are five probes on trajectory of leaving the solar system. But no one has ever set foot on the moon or another body again. But now the landscape has changed. In 2011, NASA ended its space shuttle program, and several private companies rose with the goal of making space travel cheaper, more accessible, and more efficient. The most famous of those companies is, of course, Elon Musk's SpaceX. But there are others like Boeing and Virgin Galactic. However, I do want to focus on SpaceX, because it is Elon Musk who has expressed his desire to be the first company to put a person on Mars. And he has set this decade, the 2020s, to be the time frame to do so. This also inspired science fiction writers. The most famous book and movie is probably Andy Weir's The Martian, which is a book I highly recommend you to read. There are also documentaries and TV series that you can all watch on your favorite streaming service. Just to mention TV series that include exploring Mars, there's of course The Expanse, and there's also the series Away. And now, with the new space race landscape of private companies entering, suddenly there is a situation of competition again, which is motivating multiple space agencies around the world to make an effort. And in July 2020, the three missions were all launched on a trajectory to Mars, by the United Arabian Emirates, China, and the United States. But why all at the same time? Well, it's not a coincidence. So, as this is a podcast, we cannot use visual components. So we have to use our imagination. Try to picture the orbits of Earth and Mars around the Sun, which for simplification you can imagine as perfect circles. Both will be concentric circles, with the Sun in the center. Earth is on a smaller orbit than Mars, and it also moves faster on its orbit. As a result, Earth will take 365 days, but Mars 687 days for one orbit. And if we round this generously, we can almost say that Mars takes twice as long as Earth. It's actually a little less. This all means that sometimes... Earth and Mars will be very close to each other on the same side of the Sun, and other times they will be on opposite sides of the Sun, really far away. At their closest, the distance between Earth and Mars is about 54.6 million kilometers. That's about 120 lunar distances. And at the farthest, it's about 400 million kilometers. Obviously, it only makes sense to send anything to Mars at the closest distance. It will take less time and less resources. 
but they only get that close approximately every two years, which means only once every two years there is a window of opportunity to send things to Mars efficiently. That window stays open for approximately three weeks. And the last time that window opened was in July 2020, which meant for any space agency, whether it's NASA or China or anyone else, if they wanted to send something to Mars, it had to be launched in July 2020. Otherwise, they'd have to wait until the next launch window. So the launch window was set for late July because the Mars opposition, its closest point to Earth, was happening on October 14th, 2020. And that's right in the middle between the calculated launch and arrival. The next Mars opposition will be on December 8th, 2022. So if anyone had missed the 2020 window, the next time to be able to launch something to Mars will be late August or early September of 2022. I will include a graphic from NASA in the show notes that shows those oppositions. This whole problem is well explained in The Martian. In there, NASA needs to take advantage of the launch window to send supplies to Mars so Mark Watney can survive. So we have to imagine that at launch in July, Earth was still trailing Mars in its orbit, and then in October they would get to their closest point, opposition. And now in February, at arrival of the probes, Earth is already ahead of Mars. Now, the problem of launching is best compared to American football. Picture a quarterback throwing a pass to a receiver who is running. The quarterback will not throw the ball to the point where the receiver is right now, but to the point where the receiver will be when the ball arrives there. A quarterback won't perform calculations but we'll do this instinctively. Both the receiver and the ball will arrive at the same place in the same time. Of course, with the receiver being able to make some smaller corrections of his trajectory. And it's kind of the same with launching something to Mars. In July, the probes were launched onto a trajectory that would intersect with Mars's orbit on the day of arrival in February. All those probes have thrusters which allow for smaller course corrections. Now, we usually imagine the trajectory of such a probe to be a straight line, but that's a wrong assumption. On its way from Earth to Mars, the probes are also on an elliptical orbit around the Sun. Of course, under the influence of our star's gravity. So the trajectory is not a straight line, but an ellipse. We have discussed now the first two stages, the launch and the cruise stage. But let us now talk about the most exciting stage, the one where also a lot can go wrong, the stage known as EDL, entry, descent, and landing. They are also known as the seven minutes of terror. Why is that? It's because it takes seven minutes from beginning to enter the Martian atmosphere until landing on the surface. But even at the closest distance during opposition, our distance to Mars is such that any communication at the speed of light would take 11 minutes, which means that the whole EDL sequence has to be automated. There's nothing that we could do here from Earth to intervene. And landing on Mars is not that easy. First, entering any planet's atmosphere requires heat protection, 
because there will be a lot of heat generated by friction between the fast-moving probe and the atmosphere. Next, the spacecraft has to be slowed down remotely. Here on Earth, we would use a parachute, or several ones, taking advantage of our dense enough atmosphere. But on Mars, the atmosphere is only 1% as dense as here on Earth. That means parachutes can be a stage of the descent, but they will not be efficient enough as to slow down the probe for a safe landing. There have to be other stages involved. So the last rover, Opportunity in 2012, was wrapped in a huge air-filled bag and it would bounce around on Mars until it finally came to a stop. This, however, won't work for Perseverance. It is much bigger and heavier and would likely punch holes into those airbags. Instead, they're going to use a vehicle that is best described as a drone. But instead of propellers, it uses thrusters to slow down the probe and for steering it, and to finally come to a safe landing. All of this, remember, happens during 7 minutes, and we will watch it with an 11 minutes delay. This all means that when we see the entry beginning, in reality Perseverance will already have either landed safely or crashed, and there is no way for us to know. We can just watch and bite our fingernails. That's why this is called the 7 minutes of terror. Perseverance is the most sophisticated rover ever sent to Mars, and is landing in a region which hopefully gives us more clues of ancient geological activity on Mars the flow of water in the ancient past, and maybe signs of ancient life. Well, I'm saying geological, but geo means Earth, so martiological activity, maybe? Together with Perseverance, there is Ingenuity, which can best be described as a Mars helicopter. It can fly away from the rover, over the near canyon, for example, take photos, and then return to the rover. I think we can expect some really cool signs from this mission. And why are we suddenly so interested in Mars? Well, we are a species of explorers, and we want to find answers to the big questions. Where did we come from? Where do we go? Are we alone? And now that there's competition again, suddenly there's this incentive of making an effort, because we don't like it when someone else beats us to achieve an important goal. This time, NASA had published lots of material for teachers to use in the classroom, many little experiments for the students to perform. And some of them could even be done in this year's context of remote learning, so I decided to step out of my comfort zone and have my students participate in this. And it looks like most of them liked it. We are culminating this with a watch party right after school this Thursday and hopefully watch the successful landing of Perseverance on Mars. These are truly exciting times. Just a few years ago, we received the first close-up pictures of Pluto and of another Kuiper Belt object, Ultima Thule. Other missions have taken pictures and mapped Ceres and Vesta in the asteroid belt. Another one went to Bennu and there has been a sample return mission to a comet. Telescopes have discovered faraway galaxies, taken a picture of a black hole, mapped our place within the superstructure Lanyakea, and discovered many exoplanets. All of these things within the last decade. 
and within our lifetimes, we will probably see people return to the moon and set foot on Mars for the first time. We really live in exciting times. As a science teacher at school, it will be my job to get the future generation excited about this. Mm, or maybe rather keep them excited about it, because little kids are fascinated with things like dinosaurs and space, but somehow, for many, it gets lost in the teenage years. Hopefully this will change with missions like these three Mars missions that make the science more accessible for all of us. All right, rabbits, that's it for the main segment. Let's now play Find the Fake. Right here is the Mars edition. Those are not news items. Those are just facts about Mars. And it's your job to find out which one is the fake. Item number one, there's actually a Mars calendar with 24 months of either 27 or 28 souls, which are Mars days. Item number two, Mars has approximately the same land mass as Earth. And item number three, Mars is smaller in size than the biggest moon of the solar system, Jupiter's moon Ganymede. Play along, you may pause it, because now we will reveal the answers. Let's take them in order. Item number one, the Mars calendar. This one is true, so it's called the Darien calendar. You can look for that on Wikipedia, the Darien calendar. And uh, its layout is... 24 months, most of them have 28 days, every 6th month has 27 days. And the 24 months are named alternating after the signs of the zodiac and then of the Sanskrit names of those same signs. So here are the 24 months on Mars. Sagittarius, Danus, Capricornius, Macara, Aquarius and Kumba, which has 27 days. And it goes on with Pisces, Mina, Arius, Mesha, Taurus, and Rishaba. Again, 27 days for that one. Gemini, Mituna, Cancer, Karka, Leo, and Sima. That's the third quarter. Sima again has 27 days. And then we close the year with Virgo, Kanya, Libra, Tula, Scorpius, and Vrishika. And that last month, Vrishika, also has 27 days, but there are some leap years where that month also has 28 days, similar to Earth. How about that? Somebody actually developed this Martian calendar. <clears throat> All right, let's go with item number two. Mars has approximately the same land mass as Earth. This one is also true. So to cut the long story short... Mars is a lot smaller than Earth, but it also is uh, dry. It doesn't have any oceans. And if we measure all the land mass of Mars, we get approximately the same land mass as Earth. Of course, without all the oceans on Earth. Which means Mars is smaller in size than the biggest moon of the solar system, Jupiter's moon Ganymede. That's the fake. 
So again, I'll invite you to Wikipedia. You can Google a list of solar system objects by size. And of course, I'm not going to include the sun now, but here are the top 10. So the biggest one in size is Jupiter. And then we have Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Earth, Venus. And then it's Mars, Ganymede, Titan, and Mercury. So Ganymede is Jupiter's biggest moon and Titan is Saturn's biggest moon. But they are not bigger than Mars, as you can see. They are bigger than Mercury, our smallest planet in the solar system. That's the part that I changed about this one. So how did you do this time? Did you get it right? Please let me know. Play along on Instagram. I would really be happy about this. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode, a short one. I hope you enjoyed it, and thank you so much for taking your time and listening. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are easy and painless ways, which are all for free. Rate and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Share it with your friends on your social media. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find all the links in the show notes. Every little bit helps. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco, and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?